Welcome to the Location Technology Podcast from Kuppa, bringing you everything you need to know about all things location. Find out more at kuppa.com forward slash podcast. Hi, and welcome back to, to another Kuppa Location Technology Podcast. Um, my name is Thomas Hasselman. I'm the Chief Sales Officer at Kuppa. And uh, I have the honor to, to introduce today uh, an interesting podcast uh, where we are interviewing one of our end customer, Dyer Engineering from the UK, who will be talking about how they, how they benefit from the location information in bringing more efficiency to their operations. Uh, Dyer Engineering uh, is a engineering company in the UK who uses not only Coopas technology for its operations, but also one of our partners think inside to really boost the efficiency in asset tracking. In this podcast, Richard Larden, the Business Improvement Director at Dyer Engineering, will be walking through some of the benefits that they have achieved while using location technology in conjunction with the Think Inside uh, platform uh, for boosting efficiency in asset tracking. This is a recording from the Coupa virtual event from 2021. And uh, in addition to the podcast, you can also follow the presentation on the Coupa YouTube channel. So over to you, Richard. Thank you very much. Um, my name is Richard Larder, and I'm here to uh, do a presentation on boosting efficiencies with asset tracking at Dyer Engineering. So before I dive into that, I just want to give a brief overview of our business. And so we are a... Um, a specialist in uh, the batch production of machined fabricated metal components ranging from um, small small ones that you can hold in your hands right the way up to um, the large ones that you can see in your screen here. Uh, we we uh, supply a variety of sectors ranging from rail, automotive, uh, defense, um, oil and gas subsea and, and have a variety of services as well ranging right the way from the start of the CAD design process um, all the way through profiling, fabrication, um, robot welding, painting, and into final assembly and shipment, um, as well as lots of uh, various kind of quality uh, qualifications needed for those marketplaces. So who am I? Um, I am the head of digital innovation at Dyer Engineering, and my main overarching um, goals are to streamline operations, uh, increase productivity, safeguard the future of the business and improve customer, supplier and employee experiences. So I wanted to kick things off with um, one of my favorite quotes um, from, from Henry Ford. If you need a machine and you don't buy it, then you'll ultimately find that you've paid for it and haven't had it. And, and that was um, from the turn of the century, um, the, man, the man came forward with that. And I think most people will be able to empathize quite, quite considerably with that when, when they have finally had to make quite a significant investment that they've been apprehensive about and then seeing the, um, the wins and benefits that it can bring. So um, I'm sure most people here are familiar with um, the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, I just wanted to bring up this slide to show that it's, it's happened before, it's been done before. Um, this isn't the first time in, in the uh, human, human um, story that, that we have um, come to a point in, in our development where such opportunity is laid ahead of us and, and there, is, there is a significant shift change in, in the landscape in terms of what, what can be achieved and what can be done with the emerging technologies. 
Um, this this picture dates back to the 1970s and shows, you know, old, the old and the new coming together. Um, and I suppose the point I'm trying to make is the, the change uh, this time round is it's going to be more significant and happen in a far quicker period of time. The rate the rate of change um, is is far far bigger and then the period is far shorter. So um, again, uh, be before we get stuck into the detail, I wanted to go and share what what I have taken as my distilled understanding of um, a digital um, journey um, in terms of various projects and how they can be categorised. Um, to essentially achieve operational excellence, that's 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 what we're looking for. Is well well-run facilities, um, you know, reducing costs, maximizing profits, all all the standard stuff. Um, but how how does that apply to to the fourth industrial revolution? Well, um, leveraging data, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more detail uh, later on. Uh, operational process automation, and what do I mean by that? Well, that's all the functions that happen um, supporting a business. Ours is a manufacturing facility, so what goes on behind the heat is behind the scenes to support that. Um, the production process automation, asset tracking is, is one of those functions, along with um, automation in terms of manufacturing techniques, such as um, robotic welding, um, cobots um, for assembly purposes, um, self-servicing business architecture, um, so this doesn't just relate to um, employees. Um, you know, if you think about the concept of, of Google, you know, people can pretty much find out most things um, through through searching. And, and what we're trying to achieve is, is that same function within our business for our employees to, to find the answers that they need and also for our customers and suppliers to um, to be able to self-service and get what they need directly and just shorten those channels. And then finally, it's about communication and connectivity. And with this post post COVID or post pandemic world, I think we've all seen the um, the sea change in terms of the world becoming a far smaller place in terms of um, people people that you you communicate with and and how um, businesses can reach out now to a global supply chain and network and and also how we um, communicate internally. You know, um, e email I think is playing sec second fiddle to um, the likes of um, Teams communication now. So. Um, there's lots of buzzwords that go around the space of, of Industry 4. Um, some people will be further down that journey than others. Some people may be a little overfaced. Uh, one, one approach that I take to it is it, it's revolution through evolution. Okay, so it's not, it's not one thing that does it. Um, it. It's a multitude of adoption of, of new and emerging technologies, um, be, be it um, AI, IoT, as in the asset tracking, the use of robotics, cloud migration. Um, and all, all these um, various aspects form part of the projects that I'm going to um, give a little summary to. And then, and then we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive on, on the asset tracking side of things. So these are uh, an overview of our digital projects. Um, this, this slide's a little old. We've actually got quite, quite a few more going on at the moment. Um, however, time... time, time um, Time is quite quite limited, so I'll touch upon some of these uh, relatively lightly, and then then we'll go into um, the asset tracking for um, for the purpose of what this this whole event is about. Um, but I think it's nice to complement that with with some of the other aspects. So um, our our digital journey um, started with um, cloud migration from our email server starting a creek about five years ago. And it was a bit of an accidental first step forward into um, the world of, of emerging technologies, cloud technologies. Um, and, and yeah, it's been it's been quite a rapid rate of change since then. So with um, 
with uh, the option of either investing in an on-premise server um, or going to software as a service with the new Office 365. Um, at the time, it seemed like an absolute no-brainer. I think most people in this room um, will probably be on that 365 platform now and will we'll notice the, um, the full suite of applications that are available compared to what historically was available. Uh, and um, I am assuming are, are starting to leverage um, the power of, of what these are. So for us, um, we, um, we, we, we've invested in the SharePoint um, element of the 365 uh, ecosystem, uh, mainly because that allowed us to go and hang all the other, uh, all the other functions um, off it. Um, so for example, you know, the, um, the ability to create apps through Power Apps and Flow, and we could hang off our intranet. We've got um, our, some virtual tools, which I'll go into later on. Um, we've included a learning management system, which falls under that self-servicing um, uh, element that I talked about as part of the, the operational excellence and the digital strategy. Uh, we have our KPIs. Again, I'll go into that in a little bit more detail. And um, obviously, our um, asset tracking and COVID track and trace um, system. So reasons to, to migrate to the cloud. Um, as I say, I'm not going to read through all these in a great amount of detail. I'll let people do that themselves. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's that flexibility of, of having a global reach, um, not limited by, by, by geographic locations. Um, there's obviously the benefits of um, security, uh, backup resilience, um, but, but there's actually a human element to me, and that is the um, attracting and retaining the best talent um, through a modern, modern user interface and supporting flexible uh, working. So the next one I wanted to talk about is um, is big data, or um, in, in the space of manufacturing, that would typically be the ERP um, software system. And most people, well, I say most people, um, some people might not realize what a, what a huge asset that is um, of untapped potential um, and what can be achieved um, for, for not a huge amount of cost. So uh, we use Epicor, it's the sixth largest in the world. Um, it is, uh, we've been running that system now for uh, eight years. And we were actually one of the first adopters of shop floor data collection. And we um, we have since been able to leverage um, that, that the collection of that data um, to, to get some real, real good insights. So um, in, term, in terms of leveraging data, there are four main pillars um, to that for industrial data, that is. Um, the first one is your data acquisition. How, how are you going to get hold of your data? As I say, we, we were one of the first adopters in the 90s for shop floor data collection and just showing what a rate of change technology adoption is um, in, in the manufacturing space. That is now commonplace. You know, at, at one point we, we, were, we were one of very few. Uh, we're now one of many and, and it's become a general backdrop. And I make that point just because some of the technologies we're talking about today will soon be commonplace. And so you know, there is, there is a great advantage of becoming an early adopter um, because, because you've got that competitive edge. If you're a late adopter, then, then, you, that's, then you've just got to pay for the tickets to, to get to the party uh, because everyone else has got it. So it's a cost of doing business. So, um, yeah, um, so, so uh, once you've got your data acquisition, you're then into your data mining and processing, and that's defining the various concepts of how you are going to... Um, uh, cut that data and analyze it and, and what you're hoping to get out of it. You're then into the presentation of that data and that's, and that's turning the data into information so people understand it. 
We're then in the, you know, the insight to performance and making sure it's, um, it's easily understandable. And the, the fourth area, which is, um, which is one of the trickiest, and I'd say our journey in terms of leveraging industrial data runs left to right. Um, you know, as I say, we've been, um, you know, got 30 odd years of data acquisition. Um, but, but over to um, action and strategy, it's, it's how do you review that data? How do you monitor your decision makings? How, how do you know that, that the strategy that you're doing is, is working um, and monitoring and improving it? So um, as I say, for us, though, those are the four key, key elements for, for data. And, and as, as new technologies adopted, you know, the amount of data it produces is massive, especially when you look at sensors, especially when you look at um, real, real-time asset tracking, um, you know, the, the, the data that's there um, is considerable and, and it continuously grows. Here's an example of some of the, um, the information that we've been able to get out of our system. I'm not going to go into these in any specific detail, but just wanted to touch upon the core concepts of um, essentially um, some basic knowledge of uh, SQL, um, crunching, crunching the data in Power BI, and then showcasing it on, um, sh on SharePoint or, or your company intranet, and, and then opening it up to the many, you know, rather than it just being sat in terms of the management or the senior leadership team, you know, data should be available um, to everyone so, so they can help um, drive direction and improvements within the business. And I'd say this, this, the, this whole concept of um, data analysis, presentation, review, strategy, um, regardless of what uh, new technology you're adopting, it absolutely has to be supported by, by um, a level of data analytics and presentation. Um, otherwise, how, how do you know? How can you monitor? How can you improve? So this is this is just a brief one for for us. We're a manufacturing facility. So so what do we do? Well, essentially we sell time. Um, we we estimate the time it's going to take to do something, um, and then we monitor our performance on how long it actually took us, and and we have internal review cycles for for improving that, for improving our quote um, uh, estimates, and reviewing when things start to deviate on the shop floor from from what what the standard time should be, and you know historically that that could be quite granular on a job by job basis. Um, but actually, by going through some of those concepts before, we were able to pivot that data, um, you know, by division, by department, by operator. Um, it's it's a very powerful um, solution, Power BI. It's, it's essentially, you know, Microsoft Excel and steroids. Uh, and again, I'm sure most people are quite familiar with it, but it's um, it can can provide very very powerful insights um, and exceptions to, um, to to get in the grips with what's going on in your business and if there are any problems and how to address them quickly. So the other area I wanted to just to tap into within the uh, the 365 space are um, the digital workflows, um, which are made available through Microsoft Flow and Power Apps. Um, and essentially, this was the first creation of uh, mobile applications which don't require heavy coding. Uh, generally, you know, the, the the right people can can pick this um, this technology up on the or this way of writing apps within a few days. And we have we we have done a variety of things, you know, from a simple holiday request app. Um, through to a um, an accident investigation app, and we're now currently working on um, utilizing um, intelligent um, uh, intelligent new product in, in introduction um, information to make to be made available on the shop floor, as well as some um, some applications that we're looking at as part of the asset tracking program uh, that that's been underway within the business for some time, which again I'll touch on shortly. So benefits of digital workflows, um, 
obviously eh, with any workflow if it's digitized it's possible to monitor it identify bottlenecks um, address those see see where things are holding up and then and then you're looking to improve them you know um, have we got the right resources here who's doing what and when uh, you know you just got that clarity to it so industry four on a shoestring so everything that i've, I've um talked talked about up until this point um is what what can be achieved with with a very small budget you know we're, we're talking monthly subscription cost to to the office 365 um, ecosystem i'm not a microsoft reseller by the way it's just been one of the um, things that has allowed us to gain quite a lot of traction from um and, and make a good head start in the in the industry for adoption um and what can be done for a small amount um to gain um confidence in in larger investments so um you know, the, the, only, the only additional one there, I think, was a license um, for Microsoft BI. It said seven quid a month. Um, it's also possible to engage with local universities. Um, and there's quite a bit of funding available out there as well for, for early adopters of technology. So I'd certainly look at that. So um, acid tracking. Uh, we came about um, looking at this as part of uh, an engagement um, with, um, with Sunderland Software City around um, their digital manufacturing program and at the time um, our, our problem was we've got 11 units covering 100,000 square feet over two sites um, at any given time we have over a thousand jobs or works orders and so so that is um, a requirement to produce a given batch of parts and our range of parts in the last 12 months extended to 1600 different different types of parts so we have huge variety uh, of parts to try and manage through the shop floor and um, those parts will go um, through an average of 13 operations so that means that if we've got a thousand plus jobs then we've got 13,000 open operations um, at any given time uh, again just for a bit of clarity what's what's an operation well for us as we're a manufacturer an operation would be um, say laser cutting possibly bending welding machining um, inspection painting assembly you know the, the the core processes that run through our business and you know trying trying to um essentially get get all these parts through um you know in in the right lead time and meeting customers requirements was was one hell of a challenge and still is to, to a certain degree and um at the time we thought wouldn't it be an absolute godsend if some sort of technology existed which could tell us and and you know we were just wanting. We, we would have been happy to know if it was in which warehouse it was in. You know, of, of the eleven of the eleven units, which which ones it in, just to give us a starting a starting point of uh, of trying to track things down. So um, our, our problems were, were were significant, and that was especially when it came to new new product introduction. You know, some some of the product lines that we do. You know, there is a bit of an 80-20 split there, where twenty percent account for eighty percent. Um, everyone knows those and that they have nicknames like headless cows or bats or racing cars um, so so people know what they look like and and they can see them by the eye and and it's common knowledge of, of what happens to them however when we introduce a new part which is unfamiliar to to the um, the, the workforce um, no one knows what it looks like and um, our engineers were spending a huge amount of time on the shop floor just trying to find out where where, where their parts were and then starting to um, expedite them through um, the shop floor and all, and all the various processes that I've talked about. Um, so a real, a real challenge, uh, as I say. So with the engagement with, with, with um, uh, 
the, the digital catapult. And what I'd say, this is UK specific um, uh, for us. So they are a non-profit organization um, who are set about to, um, to essentially create um, good partnerships between um, manufacturing and, and various, or any other business sector really that is looking to adopt technology. And um, they, they, they've got very strong links with um, startups. Um, and yeah, I, I know, know a lot of um, different technologies um, and, and the various uh, people behind them. So uh, we, we, we engage with them on a program called Digital Manufacturing, which was essentially a bit of an educational course um, around um, the industry for technologies, um, what's available, because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And, um, and on that course, there was an invitation to um, apply for a competition from um, Innovate UK, again, a UK-based um, government scheme. And the purpose of that scheme was to, um, to essentially get a demonstrator site for industry for technology. And the, the, what they were looking for was an SME, um, as I say, demonstrator site. And the reason for that was they identified that 90% of the productivity that could be um, leveraged or improved um, in the UK was going to come from the SME market. Um, and ironically, also, that was one of the biggest obstacles to technology adoption, mainly because um, it, come, it comes with investment and there, there's not a huge amount of um, proven use cases or, you know, that all important ROI uh, where people can go, OK, well, yes, um, you know, generally a financial director is happy to go and invest in, in a laser or something that you can touch on the shop floor. Um, but, but something a little bit more speculative, like these new and emerging technologies, um, the SME uh, marketplace needed to have more confidence. And, and so therefore, as I say, um, some government money was made available for that. Uh, we wrote a very compelling case where we were great enthusiasts um, very enthusiastic at the early stages and to become that demonstrator site. And um, unfortunately, we, we were chosen to do so. So so that started our engagement with Cooper and our uh, technology partner, Think Inside, who were based in Italy. Uh, but um, not before we went through quite a stringent um, process of reviewing the different technology providers that are available. And from memory, I think there were about 10, um, 10 different uh, applicants looking to, to be the technology partner and that the, the, the investment costs and um, capabilities of those technologies range quite considerably. You know, at the top end of the spectrum, um, you can have some, um, some technologies uh, whereby the, um, the tags, the asset tags are passive um, and they, they, they get powered, I'm not entirely sure, on the technology. I assume some sort of induction. Um, and, you know, that the investment cost for that was outside of our range as, as an SME, I think, but, certainly suitable to, to a blue chip um, who, who would have a long-standing vision potentially. But um, for, for us, um, we, 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 we found that the, um, the Bluetooth low energy solution, um, which, which does require a small, small watch battery, which lasts around three years, um, depending on use. And, you know, the, 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 the trackers are, are very hardy going. Um, I think we've, we've had one, one that, that died to death in the shop lasting shed. But apart from that, we, we've still retained them all and they're still, they're still working as expected. And, um, and yeah, so, um, the, um, the, the technology allowed us to identify where parts were within our factory within, um, about half a square meter, um, uh, across across all those different different locations and in real time, and so our, our adoption of this technology has has actually changed over the course of time since 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 we've had it. Um, it started as quite a, a passive solution, basically where, where's my bits, 
um, and guys on the shop floor, team leaders, supervisors, people essentially expediting parts and would query the system to find out where parts were and then they would go and move them along their way. However, as, as we've embedded in the technology, um, it, it can offer a lot more. So uh, one thing that we were keen of at the start of the project and one thing that, that we do quite well internally, and that is um, data mine or, or get access to the raw um, information and then start to play around with it. So, so what I'm showing you here is one of our, um, we, we refer to them as a departure board. And so this lists all the operations that are available for um, a given department. And this one, it's um, our machining operations uh, at our Anfield site. And this is everything that is identified as being available. So what does that mean? Well, it means all the previous operations are complete. So this is, this is it's up to um, this operation and it's ready to be processed. So, um, which is fine, but um, the, the operator goes, okay, yes, I do need to work on this top job, but I, I don't know where it is. However, working with Think Inside and being able to um, adapt, um, uh, well, not necessarily adapt, but just, just gain access to, to the raw data behind their system, we are able to link it to our ERP system and then surface it on um, the, these hybrid Excel sheets. Um, so on the right-hand side, you can see there is a zone. And so the most important job that we've got there that needs to be turned, and it's got a, we use 99 uh, or 99 dates to, to really highlight the urgent jobs, not just late, it's very late, um, but it does does get them through on time. And um, and this this top job is, is in a well shop. So rather than the operator being stopped looking to try and find this job and the machine not running, or potentially he's going to start dropping onto another job, which is less important, um, which builds up work in process and types of ties up cash. Um, instead, we, we, we've got a flag straight away that um, the parts are in the wrong location than when they need to be. Uh, and what I would say before I go into the return on investment is um, the work that we're doing now is we're trying to turn the, the asset tracking system from a reactive system where, where things are queried um, to a proactive system. And that's looking at things like smart material movement. So, you know, out of all the jobs being um, or all, all the jobs that need to be processed, how many are in the wrong location? And, and out of all the jobs that are in the wrong location, which ones are the most important? Then apply on a priority system to it and then having dedicated material movers to go and surgically move parts um, or products around the factory. So we, we keep our working process as, as, at a bare minimum. We're able to reduce our lead times. We can get um, greater throughput. Um, we're exceeding our customers' expectations. Um, so so we, we are still in the early stages of that, but we are looking to go into a pilot program um, within the next month. Um, so, so yeah, so, so my point is, although, although this technology um, can be adopted from, from what you see as a use case um, day one, um, once it's bedded in, it starts to um, highlight lots of other future opportunities of how else it can be leveraged. Now, the all important one, the, the, the return on investment impact. And this, this is this this is the one that, that people really struggle with um, because it's, it's it's a pretty hard um, hard one to to try and quantify and measure. So so we came at it a couple of ways. Um, the first one was uh, we we took a rough rule of thumb and, and forecasted um, that this should give us between a five and ten percent in, increase in our productivity. And so, so what, what does an increase in productivity mean? Well, for us, uh, we're a manufacturer. And so what do we do? Well, we sell time. Uh, yes, we do manufacture things, but um, it's manufactured against a quote. And that quote has a set number of hours at given cost rates um, to, to manufacture the parts. Now, um, 
we, we, we compare that against the paid hours of our direct employees. So, so we know, um, right, well, we paid, uh, you know, in this example here, uh, 339,000 hours. Um, and what do we get paid from our customer? Well, we got paid 190,000 um, hours. So, so not, not a great um, um, uh, overall efficiency, but from, from where we were to, to where we are now, we, we did actually realize a 5% increase in productivity. And so a 5% um, increase in productivity would equate to nine and a half thousand extra paid hours uh, annually. Um, our, our profitability um, or markup on, on a given hour is, is around 20 quid, fluctuates between 19 and, and 21 um, overall. And so if, if we were able to get an extra nine and a half thousand hours, well, that's 190 grand on the bottom line annually. So, so some, some serious returns there. However, you know, increases in productivity um, are generally attributed to, to, to a multitude of things. You know, if there's work going on um, all the time through our continuous improvement drives, um, engineering cost out, um, looking at different factory layouts, which again, um, the asset tracking and uh, the Cooper solution can look to do through, um, you know, localized heat maps of, of where bottlenecks are. Um, and so so the, the, the second one was, was looking at searches. So um, how often does the system go, get queried? And we looked at uh, over a period of several months. Um, adoption was was pretty slow to begin with, I would say. Um, however, that that has grown and grown and grown. And and I'd say we we average around twenty five searches a day, um, which, if you think about it, isn't a huge amount given um, the amount of product that's going through, um, the size of our facility. Um, twenty five queries wondering where something is, um, possibly a little conservative, um, if, if I said so now. So, so that um, over um, over a period of a month would be 500 searches, and and if if we go well, hold on. If if this solution wasn't here, how long would it take that person to go and find um, the parts that they were looking for? And you know, again, it's it's a little bit of uh, of an estimate. It's not it's not it's not a pure science here, but it's about an hour. You know, uh, observing individuals walking around looking for parts. Um, when they're looking for parts, it's not just them. They will go and engage with other people. You know, hey, Bob, have you seen this? No, no, I don't think so. Go and speak to Jeff. He's over there. All right, Jeff. Or anyway, I wanted to talk to you about something else. And before you know it, an individual that, that might only spend 15 minutes um, to find his part has actually stopped and spoken to four people along that journey. Um, so my point is time soon adds up when people are looking for, for items. And, you know, if, if they weren't looking for those items and are actually able to add value, um, and again, using that that twenty pounds an hour. Um, well, that's that's ten grand a month, so one hundred and twenty grand a year. So you know the the, the savings that can be achieved um, through through a solution of, of this nature um, range from yeah yeah between between one hundred and twenty and one hundred and ninety, some somewhere in that ballpark. And that that is using the system in its passive nature. We haven't yet leveraged um, what can be done in terms of um, the proactive smart material movement. And um, if I go on to the other, the other benefits, so um, the other unsung heroes um, that this solution um, has been able to provide was, um, again, working with Think Inside, who, you know, very innovative, innovative company and forward thinking, um, and they were able to um, adapt their solution for um, a proactive track and trace. So that's contact tracing of, of our employees. And I'm sure um, people here can, can sympathize with all the controls that they've had to put in place within their, uh, their working environment to ensure, um, ensure the safety of their employees. And that can be um, you know, trying to enforce social distancing, um, personal protective equipment, um, 
screens, um, you know, various controls. You know, some business wouldn't, some business manufacturing businesses certainly wouldn't allow um, people um, uh, to come into the offices because uh, they can work from home, but but um, the guys and girls on the shop floor, they, they can't go and take a laser home or a press break home or a machine center home. So, so they've, they've got to come to the workplace. So therefore they need to be absolutely safeguarded from, from any potential exposure. And again, this, this demonstrates that, that once you have this technology and it's bedded in, um, you know, it, it, it's only constrained by your imagination. Once, once, once you've invested and you've got it, you can then start to leverage for a multitude of solutions. So, so we never thought that, that you know, when we first um, brought this in, um, that we'd be able to use it to, um, to help prevent the spread of, uh, of COVID-19. Um, and especially looking at the risk profile of our business, you know, um, because most um, most of our products go through the same set of processes. Um, they're, they're, they're all going to be cut on a laser. Predominantly, are going to have to go through through bending. Then they're going to have to go through welding, then machining, then the paint shop. Now, if there's an outbreak in the weld shop, we, you, you essentially stop any output, any product going through. Everyone's got to self isolate. We we knew of businesses that actually had to shut down for eleven days. Um, our, our business would not be able to financially sustain um, being shut down for for eleven days. So. Um, this, this solution worked as a lifeline for us as um, we, we have had a handful of cases. Um, we were able to identify those, those individuals. Uh, well, they, they identified themselves, but, but from their identification, we could then use the track and trace. We could see who they've been in contact with and we were able to surgically remove and isolate individuals in the business, uh, and, which prevented any, any major outbreaks or, or potential um, commercial, commercial ruin. Um, so, so, so that was that was a, a great success story of being able to adapt the system, and um, the smart material movement um, I've, I've, I've spoken about. Um, we are looking for the the real time um, positioning of uh, of parts and uh, for for the production planning processes. So again, that was that departure board screen um, showing you know the, the the priority of list of work and also if parts are in the wrong or right um, area. And we're also looking to um, create some color coding and possibly LED and um, proactive nature of of products on the shop floor to identify what needs to be moved. Um, and um, as, as part of a larger um, piece that we're doing with the engagement with the university, we have a three-year PhD researcher who's looking um, to uh, leverage AI um, for, um, for for production planning, um, along along with um, other other projects. Um, but within that, um, it's not just uh, production planning from the ERP perspective, which is the theoretical location of where parts are and where they need to be, but the actual locations, the real-time actual locations. So it, it's able to um, prioritize and make the best decisions available in the given work areas of what work needs to be worked on in, and in what, in what order. So again, um, some, some real benefits there to, to what, what lays um, down the road in terms of development of the system. So, so, so why? Um, a brief summary of um, what, what the solution does. Uh, and, and again, uh, I, I won't re read through all those. I'll, I'll let people sort of um, pick, pick, pick as, they, as they see fit. But what I would say is, um, you know, think, things that we're looking at now is the identification of slow moving or dormant jobs. You know, what, what's happening? We can start to set out alerts um, or alarms about um, why, why things aren't, aren't moving as, as they should do. Um, we, we can review the, um, the traffic. Um, how, how, what is the traffic flow of product through the factory? Can we change our layout? Um, uh, do we need to go and invest in additional machines if we've got particular, particular bottlenecks in particular areas that, that, that aren't um, easily identifiable? Um, 
Yeah, uh, and, and I suppose all, all the other sort of main main um, benefits that I've referred to um, previously. So uh, virtual factory tours, and the reason I wanted to um, to talk about this one is that it actually dovetailed in really nicely with um, with the introduction or the implementation of the asset tracking um, solution. Um, so so our technology partner of choice um, for that was was ThinkInside, um, as mentioned. Um, Previously, I believe um, they're actually based in Italy, um, and so um, you know, planning the the implementation of, of this solution um, did span several months um, in terms of what that looked like. Um, however, as we were getting into the um, the industry for um, uh, industry for technology adoption, um, it it was quite surprising how many startups um, were really needing to have a use case. Um, to get their foot in the door of, of, of other businesses to, to basically showcase their technology. And uh, on the back of uh, winning the, um, the competition from Innovate UK, um, another company called Synergy VR um, really wanted to have a use case to, um, to add to their portfolio to show um, the power of, um, of virtual reality for, for, for site tours. Um, so, so they offered to, um, to, to do scans of our, of our facility free of charge. Um, which I'm going to endeavor to um, show you. So um, I'll just click on this link. This is this is one of our main facilities, um, but we're actually going to go to um, another one here at our Anfield playing site. So this is the reception area. Um, of, of our Anfield plane site, you can see there some 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 typical small batch production parts that we do. I'll just walk you through into our um, our back office where we have all the production planning, um, administration, purchasing, uh, production management um, areas, and then through into our quality office. Um, as I say, we, we have high requirements for adhering to very tight tolerancing for the automotive industry. Um, and then if we um, go onto the shop floor, and I'll just take around this racking. So, so why is, why is this significant? Well, during the, the planning stage of installing um, the, the, the equipment and, and the array of antennas, um, essentially what that was gonna look like was um, sending a set of engineers over, um, getting ladders, taking photographs, um, identifying where, uh, where all, all the um, receptive equipment necessary for the asset tracking needed to go. However, um, as, as we had this digital asset of um, our, factory, our factory layout across our, our different facilities, you know, um, it was possible to actually scan up and look at the, um, the, the um, infrastructure and, and basically the I-beams on the ceiling. And the guys at Think Inside um, sat in Italy were able to sit down and plan um, the location for, for all this equipment um, and then provide the installation um, specifications to our maintenance team who were then able to um, to and it and it wasn't very heavy, you know. This this, this stuff just runs off some network cabling that's run into a switch um, and and some bracketry which which hangs quite nicely. So so not a massive job to get it installed, but it was critical to know where um, where it had to be installed to get the maximum use out out the system. Um, so yeah, and you can start to see these these are sort of some of our, our data views, and the guys can actually interact with these screens um, and query where jobs are themselves in real time. Um, so if anyone's looking for, for something on the, on the shop floor, 
Um, they can literally tap, tap onto our main internet page, come out of it, select the asset tracking, type in the job number, and it will tell them, you know, across those um, 11 buildings in 100,000 square feet where, 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 where the part is that they're, they're looking for. Um, okay, so I won't go into into that in much more detail, but again, just wanted to show that um, you know, with with these these various digital projects and assets, that that what um, what you what you um, invested in in it for, and okay, unfortunately, we we didn't have to. Um, but the, the main wins for us at the time for it were, um, you know, well, we saw it as a great onboarding tool for um, for health and safety inductions and new employees. Um, as, as we are a multi-site business that allowed our employees to explore, you know, the other sites that they, they, they might not ever step foot in to, to gain a greater understanding of the business. Um, you know, it allows us to showcase our capabilities to, to existing and new customers. Uh, again, with, um, with the whole COVID and, and restrictions around the factory that allowed, you know, virtual factory tours. Um, and it is possible to embed um, live KPI data via BIs to go and show performance of of machines or, or, or whatever you're wanting to, to monitor in real time within within the this environment, um, as well as you know hanging up lots of other multimedia um, um, in, information and imagery and videos and what have you, um, and then and then, you know the last one there is you know granting access to to third party installers and auditors. Um, so again, drawing drawing the um, the whole kind of lockdown period um, when when we did have um, a positive case and we were able to go and send um, the our digital assets to a company that that were able to provide a quotation for a full deep clean, you know, without, without having to wait for them to visit site, you know, so it so it streamlines and speeds up um, uh, uh, what's necessary for people to go and quote jobs and and also you know there might be the need for third party auditing for for ISO requirements or all the like. Okay. Um, so let lessons learn. Some 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 things went very well. You know, we we are, we are making um, great headway in terms of our digital adoption. Um, um, but it's 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 not it's not a smooth ride. Um, I would say, um, and and one 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 uh, proverb that stands out that that summarizes it well for me is this this following slide, which is which is an old African proverb, which says, "If you want to go fast, go alone." And if you want to go far, go together. And what I'd say is um, in terms of digital adoption, depending where you are on the journey, um, that's that's probably going to be uh, one, one or two people to begin with within the organization to, to go and explore and, and, and to crack on, to, to go and see what is available. And then once once it's all understood and there is a clear roadmap, um, you can't it can't be done alone it can't be done by a single department um it, it's got to be a sea change of a company-wide adoption and getting back in and what i i would say is um some of those earlier projects that i talked about that can be achieved with with quite little investment um you know they're, they're the nice easy wins to 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 get in to to demonstrate um you know what is possible and and to basically solve people's problems uh, everyone comes to work wanting to do a good job, wanting wanting to have the tools available for them. Uh, you know, everyone gets frustrated when they can't get on, and um, yeah, pe people want to work as, as fast fast as they can generally um, without, without going crazy. So I would say it's um, yeah, the, the the real magic is in getting the the rest of the organisation um, behind you, and to do that, um, 
you know you've got you've got to solve their problems don't don't be thinking that you're solving um a, a theoretical problem um it's, it's very much involve them in in falling in love with the problem don't fall in love with the solution once you've fallen in love with the problem and everyone and everyone's fallen in love with the problem then then everyone will welcome the solution what doesn't work is when when um you know the solution looks re re really clever and really great um, but but it's not necessarily solving a problem as people see it. So and sometimes that's just an alignment of, of people's understanding. Okay, um, that's it from me. Thank you, Richard, uh, for a very inspiring keynote, and thank you uh, for listening to one of our technology podcasts. We will be issuing more podcasts from our uh, Coupa Virtual Event from 2021. So please stay tuned. Thank you.